Hey, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're tuning into this episode. Uh, we are a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we really appreciate you listening, watching on YouTube. We really encourage you to subscribe to whatever platform you're using. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, or if you're on Apple or however you listen to a podcast, be sure and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Also, make comments if you like it and share it if you like it. We really need people to make comments and share the episodes that you like. And then also, if you're not already a supporter, we really would encourage you to go to spiritualityadventures.com and you can pick a tier and we have bonus content for every type of giver. These are this is a nonprofit, so they're tax deductible donations, but we do provide bonus content for those who uh, are supporters. So be a part of the team, help support Spirituality Adventures, and we're so glad you're tuning into this episode. All right, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. Thanks for tuning into this episode, and today I am interviewing Whitney Sauce. Thank you for joining us, Whitney. Yeah, what a pleasure. Whitney and I met through, um, I think originally, so Pam Hausner is, is one of my meditation teachers and I've been, we've been doing stuff together now for almost three years. And mm. I think I met you originally in, in one of the meditation things with Pam. Yeah, I think that was right. Somewhere and then, TBC or yeah, and then just kind of, kind of followed you on Facebook and we've, we've connected a couple of times since then. And Whitney is a conscious lifestyle coach, which we're going to get to a little bit later, but also, you know, very avid participant in the meditation and yoga community here in Kansas City. Um, and I just found that her story that a couple of times we've met was very fascinating, fit well into the, into the spirituality adventures world, particularly like the mental health world, the spiritual journey that's maybe yeah. connected to mental health. Um, yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, so I'm, I was excited to get a chance to interview you. Yeah. Plus, you're you're totally into fitness, too. I am. And kind of an outdoors. You like a lot of, we have a lot of similar interests. Yeah. So that was kind of fun, too. So let's start with your story. Like, where did, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Give us a little sense of you of your family background and, you know, your spiritual journey when in your growing up years kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, I was born in Independence, Missouri, and I love that. I feel like it's so just in alignment with who I am. I feel like I'm a very independent person, also interdependent, but, um, so born in Independence, my parents divorced when I was two, I believe. And uh, so we kind of stayed with mom, dad moved away and there was some you know, friction there where we weren't able to see our dad all that often. Um, and so that next 12 years of life was just extremely traumatic. Um, grew up with an abusive stepfather and it just kind of the whole house was living under intense stress at all times. Um, my little brother ended up in foster care and we moved in with my, my father which, uh, you know, for a 12 year old, I, my, my primary goal in life, and this is kind of interesting now, I'm connecting dots as an adult in therapy as to how that ties into my, mm -hmm. my hero complex. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, I felt like I needed to save my mom all the time. Were you the oldest? I was all? not, okay. but I was the only girl. Okay. So um, 
yeah, I was I was changing diapers with my little five-year-old brother, and, and my mom was kind of doing her own thing, and she was, you know, doing drugs, and there was a lot of just, you know, unhealthy stuff in the house. Um, and so at age 12, when we were separated from my mother, it felt like death. It felt like I was going to die. It was like, my mom's going to die, and then I will not be able to survive, because how will I survive without my mother? It's a very, you know, instinctual mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and so I, I created a lot of drama with my, with my dad. I had a lot of trauma, um, didn't know how to process my emotions, hated therapy, did not want anything to do with like, you know, I felt like they were saying in a way, you're broken, you're broken, you've been broken and we're going to fix you. Mm. And I'm like, try to fix this. Like, Mm. so I sabotaged everything in my life. Mm. Um, at age 16, the ADHD and the trauma was just so bad and I just couldn't focus in school. I, I dropped out uh, and had no interest in school at all. I, 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 was, I was very interested in the creative classes and I had a few teachers. Um, it was Mr. Voos, if they, if they see this, it would be so great. Um, I don't remember his first name, Jamie Curtis and Miss um, Carol, Gretchen Carroll and they made such a big impact on my um, on my belief in myself. And the mo- this movie. It wasn't a movie. Uh, These were my no. high school teachers. Oh. Because I didn't care about you, school. What was the name of the first one? Mr. Voos. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Voos. Mr. Voos. You referenced Jamie. Curtis. Yeah, that was a teacher. I believe that's her oh, name. Okay. I was. I immediately <laughs> went to Jamie Lee Curtis, the act, the actress. In, oh. So that's why. That's why all of a sudden Funny. flipped over like, into the, the movie thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. All right. So huh. they they really inspired me, and um, I connected to some creativity in those classes. But other than that, I, I I dropped out at sixteen, and I went back as a junior, and they put me through a special education program it's called Missouri Options for kids who weren't interested in school. Um, so I sat in a tiny little classroom with a computer and I got, you know, like three classes a day. And as long as I passed my test, I could get my uh, high school diploma. And so I did. And I got my high school diploma. I was able to walk with my class. And um, as soon as I got out of the military, I knew or out of the military, as soon as I got out of high school, um, I knew that where I was in life, it was like, I have nothing like there's no opportunity for me here. Um, I'm headed down a really bad path if I stay in this. And so my stepmom recommended that I enlist in the military and said, hey, you know, if you wanted to go to school, it'd be paid for. You can get out of here. You can go learn new things, meet new people, develop new skills. And I was like, well, I ain't got nothing else going on. So um, I went and I took my ASVAB and I passed and they put me in as a military police officer. So I spent the next six years in the army at National Guard as a military police, which was, you know, night and day from what I was living mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in high school, I was already using drugs, drinking. 14, I think I had my first Smirnoff, and I was like, that, that was the end of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> or the beginning, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, six years in National Guard mm-hmm. with, with the army. Yeah. And I think I asked you, you, you didn't know the chap. I mentioned a chaplain to you, Gary. Uh, oh, no. Chaplain Gary. Yeah, you didn't know. I only knew one chaplain. So, okay. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't a guy named Gary. No. Right? <laughs> it was a female, actually. Okay. Um, so, you like, where were you serving in America as a in the National Guard? Yeah. So, uh, 
My first duty station was in Harrisonville. It was the 1139th Military Police Battalion, which was all MPs. And it was very um, strict and rigid and challenging. Um, I was I was also, I think this is funny, I was diagnosed with, um, what is it called? It's ODD, um, Oppositional Defiance Disorder. <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, well that sounds like a lot of leadership to me. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like following rules if they didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so in the military, I'm sure you can imagine that there are a lot of rules that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, uh, I, I moved to Columbia with the intention of going to college and, um, I was transferred to a higher headquarters unit, which was a lot more chill because it was all really high up people that didn't really, they don't have time to worry about what you're doing. So. It was a lot, a lot easier. Um, I think it was 2016, I might be wrong, but um, when Mike Brown was killed in Ferguson, we were deployed mm. and so we were oh, wow. in a hostile combat area um, in the United States. That was pretty mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, so how did, how did the military affect your 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 own journey in terms of like all the trauma that you just talked about did yeah. it did it add to the trauma did it did it affect you when you came out of the military yeah. where were you at emotionally health mental health wise <laughs> were you better off were you worse off or oh. you know so i mean if you imagine given like a a really uncontrollable, angry three-year-old, a gun and a bulletproof vest. That's about how I was. Okay. But then like add drugs and alcohol. And so like, um, yeah, I was a mess. I was a hot mess. And uh, the, the military instilled a lot of skills within me mm -hmm. that I wasn't fully using at the time that I now am able to tap into a lot more. Um, but I think it's kind of a, a DNA thing because, you know, there are people in the military who don't have the warrior DNA. They're like, you know, their fight response or their response to chaos is flight or freeze. Mine was never that. Mine has always been fight. Mm. I will run into any war zone anytime. Like something's mm. going on, I'm running in. Um, and I've done it a lot of times and it's, it's fascinating to me to witness. Um, but yeah, with all that trauma, they put they they put armor on me metaphorically and literally, and so now I'm in the biggest, uh, you know, organized. I, don't, I hate to say it, but kind of like organized gang in the world, and so I've got this huge team of people that have my back, um, and so I just like couldn't be fucked with, and I wasn't scared of anything, and I was angry at everyone and everything, and I did not like myself, and I didn't I didn't have any connection to any joy or or love. Um, and so it was, it was crazy. Mm. Um, my brother, he called me one time and he said, Whitney, you need to let go of the hate in your heart. Like there, there's a shift coming. And if you're not on board, you're going to get left behind. He was talking about ascension and all this spiritual stuff. Mm. And I was like, you are on drugs. <laughs> and right. hindsight, I was the one on drugs projecting. <laughs> and, um, uh. Yeah, so uh, a few years later, I recorded that conversation when he said that. I was mm. like, I don't have any hate in my heart. I'm like fighting all the time, going to jail and like just wild. And I and I, I found that voicemail or that recording and I was so embarrassed I deleted it right away, which I later regretted. But um, 
it kind of, it was part of the awakening, you know? Hmm. So getting out of the military, I was um, just in shambles. And then it, it- How long ago was that? I got out in 2017. Okay. All right. So- Seven years ago, something yeah, like that. Gosh. I feel like I'm 21. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the dark road led me to um, rock bottom. I mean, it was bad. I was living in a house that was infested with rats. I couldn't get a better place because I had an eviction on my record. Like here in Kansas City somewhere? Yeah, yeah. in Independence. Okay. Um, and I was just at such a low point. I wasn't eating right. I mean, I was just eating like bags of chips. I'd, I'd wake up, eat some chips, get ready for the club, go to the club. And then it was about every day for a few years of just getting drunk and getting high and trying to disconnect from the pain that I knew was gonna come up if I was sober. Mm. If I sit still for one minute, I will have to endure the pain that I've mm. never processed. Mm. And yeah, so I got a, I was out at the club one night and I was with a friend doing drugs and- um, Like you're just out partying somewhere? Like yeah. club Clubbing. Jumping? Okay. Every, every single night there was something to celebrate. Okay. <laughs> celebrate. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but I, I received a Snapchat from uh, a guy that I had just met that night who was my friend from high school's cousin. And he said, Carlos is dead. And I had just left Carlos. And we had just, you know, done all the same drugs together. And it... Like it, he OD'd? He overdosed. Oh, wow. And he died. Yeah. Ugh. And it rocked my core. And it scared me. Mm. Because he wasn't the first one. His best friend died the month before. Mm. And the month before that, there was someone else. And the month before that, and it was drug overdose, suicide, murder. Every single month, there was somebody dying. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And I was so scared. And I locked myself in that crap hole of a uh, house. And I said, no more. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to figure out what it is that I need to be happy. And I'm going to do it. And I knew that nobody was going to support that journey that I was around. Because all of my friends were just... I was only a benefit to them when I was the party girl. Mm. And so if I, I actually saw a meme on Instagram and it changed my life. It said, and I'm so grateful. It said, um, no one cares if you don't go to the party. And I was like, malarkey. Like, of course they care. It's me. <laughs> well, I stopped going and no one cared. And wow. I was like, okay. Interesting. Well, then I'll just take care of myself. Mm. And I did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you hole up in a house, Yeah. you decide not to party. Yeah. So where does it go from here? I knew I wanted to start a business because um, I, didn't, I don't like taking orders. So I said, I will completely immerse myself in business and I will not give myself any time to party. There's no celebration worthy of me falling off track. Um, and I didn't, that first six months, I was like square. I, I, somebody gave me a desk. I cleaned out a room in my house and I sat in that room until I figured out what it was. And I remember in the beginning of that journey, um, one of the things that was recommended when, you know, trying to figure out what kind of business you want to start was like, figure out what you like. And so I made a list of all the things that I loved and I stared at this blank piece of paper for so long. Hmm. And I just was like, I don't like anything in this whole world. I wrote down my dog. I loved him. But I still questioned it. I'm like, do I really love him? Like, what is love? You know, what am I passionate about? I, I have no idea. 
And that was such a pivotal moment in my life where um, I knew I needed to start experiencing life a different way. So I got in my car and I drove for 21 days across the United States. And um, I got to experience people who didn't know me as Whitney the drug addict. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and so... Um, like you just randomly pulling yeah. into places and meeting strangers and yeah. what in everywhere hotels or camping grounds or bars food places okay. like not not bars i wasn't drinking but um food places you know like malls just gas stations wherever i'd go you I'd, literally like you started in the midwest you go to one coast and then back across to the other one or? i went route 66 all the way to texas and then um so new mexico colorado i think i went i think i came back through colorado um, New Mexico, Texas, Utah. Um, yeah, I didn't know where I was. Kind of like the time. did a Southwest trip. I did, and then and around. I came back up around. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. All right. I hiked some mountains. I met people on the mountains, and just they were like, "Hey, you know, come camp with us. We we love mm. your energy." And I'm like, "Okay." And I just <laughs> listened, and I just I just experienced life a different way, and it it just like changed my whole life. Mm. Yeah. It's like, did you ever see uh, Into the Wild? Mm-mm. Movie. Did about, he die? Yeah, Chris McCandless <laughs> called him Super Tramp, and Super uh, Tramp. but it's a great story. But it ends sadly because he he wanted to get off the grid up in Alaska, and he ended up freezing to death, starving to death. Yep. But it's really, uh, it's it, uh, John Krakauer is one of my favorite authors. He he wrote this story called Into the Wild, and then years later, um, Sean Penn got permission from the family to turn it into a movie. Oh, wow. And Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam wrote the entire soundtrack for the movie. So all of that makes it one of my favorites. But anyway. Fun. That's cool. (laughs) But he went off the grid, did the, almost did, he went from Georgia across all the way, like down to the southwest corner, then up and around, and then wound up in Alaska. And so. Alaska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you find that you're getting feedback from people who really don't know you from your military world, your party world, your crazy world. What kind of feedback people are liking your energy and giving you feedback about yeah. Whitney without all of that context? What was what was what did you get from that? So I this forgot whole, to mention um, around that time before I had left on the on the journey I it it actually started when I was still doing the drugs and so cocaine was the main drug that I was on because when you drink if you do cocaine it makes you feel a little more stable and so I wasn't really addicted to the cocaine I was addicted to the alcohol Um, but but the cocaine would make my heart just race out of my chest and I would be laying there and thinking like, I'm going to die. Like I need to take my mind off of the fact that I might die right now. And I think it was God because I don't know how else I could have possibly come across this, but I downloaded Audible and the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle Mm, mm. was the book that I downloaded, (laughs) my freebie. Wow. Interesting. I know. And I listened to it about 30 times all the way through. Oh, wow. Before it finally, I couldn't hear it. My brain was so fried. I couldn't hear anything. He, I was like, what in the hell does he mean? Huh. And one day I woke up and I was like, oh, like, I think I got it. 
I think I yeah. finally get it. And so it was, it, it's funny because I was listening to Eckhart Tolle to put me to sleep and he was actually waking me up. Ah, Isn't great. that really, yeah. And so, I mean, I remember going outside <laughs> one day and like looking around and I was like, I have been living in a world with like a veil over my eyes. Like I couldn't see anything clearly. And I felt like I saw everything more clear than I had ever in my life. Mm. It's like everything is breathing. Everything is alive. Like there's energy all around me and I am connected to it. Mm. And um, so when, when I met these people on this journey, it was uh, a new me. So it was a space for me to be that new me where I had these new eyes and this new level of appreciation and, um, and positivity. Mm. And so I was getting a lot of feedback about like, wow, you are like, you know, just shining so brightly and you're so loving and you're so nice and open and kind. And I'm like, yeah, I'm awake. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm here. Uh, I love my life. Uh, like, I have no idea what I'm going to get back, what I'm going to do. But right now I love my life and that's what matters. Wow. That's interesting. I was, I was just playing for Matt a new song that I've had on repeat the last few days called spotless mm. and it's i'm not a huge country fan but it's zach bryan and the lumineers mm. oh i love that. doing this song called spotless i ain't spotless neither is you mm. but once in my life i'm going to see it through but there's this line that says people die a thousand deaths to get to who they are it's so true and i'm like oh Oof, yeah oh so that's what made that's what popped into my I head because i've been listen listening to, to this song yeah. <laughs> and uh like like all of a sudden you're awakening to like closer to your true self maybe yeah. would you would you say it that way I or think so. yeah. at least at least you're getting on that path anyway right yeah so where so you in this trip out and what where do you go from from there how do you end up as a conscious life <laughs> coach and yeah. tell us what that's all about yeah. and what that is how how did you get to that so yeah i uh i went you know, through Vegas, got to see my brother and finally made my way back home. I was like, okay, I should probably, you know, this is spontaneous and fun, but I should probably figure out what I'm going to do with my life now. Um, so I got all that inspiration and I went back home and um, I Googled how to be happy. And uh, uh, that might have been beforehand. So I'm, I kind of have a hard time with the timeline, but at, at one point in there, um, I discovered the Buddhist temple on the plaza and started attending meditations while still on cocaine and so that was a like death in its own just literally feeling like i'm gonna die mm. <laughs> um but i knew i had to keep going and i did and i finally was able to get sober on my own i didn't ever talk mm. to anybody about it i never asked for any help i like nobody knew <laughs> and i yeah so i just grabbed myself by the boots and pulled myself up wow and um i was i was popping into so I got out of rehab in 2019 and I was hunting around for, you know, I, I ended up connecting to a recovery hall up here in the Northland, but mm -hmm. I was going to the plaza mm -hmm. to unity and they, they had a Buddhist mm -hmm. recovery thing that I popped into every now and then yeah. um, down there. And I can't even remember what they called it, but it's it the was 12 steps with Buddha. Or Buddha something like yeah. That. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and what a I was, great op alternative for people who... Yeah, and I was connecting, you know, that's where I finally met Pam oh. with that meditation. Not Those were the two meditation things that I started doing after rehab. And 
when I was in rehab, um, that's when I was exposed to D, the, the DBT therapy model, dialectical behavioral therapy, which has a mindful meditation component mm-hmm. to it, right? Finally. And that, that was, uh, I, I had a crazy rehab experience, but that was the one thing that I kind of latched onto. I think, I think this would help me. Oh. So when I came out of the rehab, that's why I kept kind of like, I, I started knocking around the city trying to figure out, well, who's doing meditation, you know, and that kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. Huh. Cool. So the kind of drugs and meditation brought us together. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. So was, you found that and you started uh, practicing meditation while you were still, you still weren't completely sober. Right? Yeah, I kind of had some relapses yeah. after that. Thought, I, well, you know, I've been sober for a little while. I can go party right no yeah um and uh i finally got completely sober about i think it was 2018 okay and yeah i so i i knew that i wanted to be an entrepreneur and then i heard this term life coach and i'm like wait a minute i have always wanted to be a teacher Mm. i I wrote it down when i was a kid i want to be a cop i want to be a writer i want to be a teacher and i have done all three Hmm. And, uh, so I, yeah, I learned, well, you can, I can learn things and then I can teach people them. I'm like, I've had such a hard life. Like if I can learn how to heal it, I can make all my pain worth it to me. Mm. I can make it meaningful to me Mm. and make, you know, kind of empower myself in that way. And so, uh, I just started learning stuff and I just started teaching it and I just started saying, I'm a life coach. And it was so fraudulent. (laughs) showing up I'm showing up to networking meetings and I'm like I'm a life coach and they're like are you sure I'm like question mark I don't know uh <laughs> I have this lump in my throat like I'm gonna vomit <laughs> like I don't know what I'm doing but I'm gonna figure it out um and you know I had a lot of hate come in from the group mm. of people from before that were like you are nothing like you'll never be anything and so don't even try oh. I actually saw a guy that said some of those things to me he put commented on my facebook post publicly and was like degrading me Mm. and i saw him recently at like a concert and i just took off running i was like i don't want to be around you so i just took off running and all my friends ran and followed me it was funny (laughs) but you pressed in i did yeah yeah i pressed in and uh so i started um with i had i had a friend who was a mentor of mine he had this funny statement he said anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Yeah. <laughs> and by, by, he didn't mean like not to, he wasn't saying don't strive for excellence. But failure is the prerequisite. Yeah, that's where you that's, learn. That's what he was getting at. I think yeah. it's really important for us as a society to redefine how we, how we um, experience failure. I think it's holding a lot of people back. Yeah, and the fear of it, right? The, the, so the fear of it? I ha- my, one of my mantras is like, I'm going to fuck this up. Mm-hmm. I, and I give myself permission to do that. Yeah. I'm going to mess it up. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm... No, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm like, if I just give myself permission to screw up, then I'm going to do yeah. a lot more than if I'm worried about not screwing up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. screw up the, all the I'm way here. Kind of, yeah. I'm, that's, I kind of took it to heart. That's why I remember it, you know, because I'm like, okay, oh, I can do that. It's <laughs> a lot can, easier. Right? I can try something to mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> but so then you scary. learn and then you grow, you know, so. That's where all the growth happens. Yeah. So how did you navigate into actually getting some 
legit credentials around the life coaching thing? Work. So, yeah, I went through an online course. It was on Udemy. It was not very good. And for some, I mean, I think I'm just delusional. Uh, there's a, there's a like trending thing going around, an audio, trending audio going around on Instagram that's like, what gave you the confidence? She's like, um, delusion? <laughs> like, that is definitely. Yeah, so I, I just started embodying it. Um, I got the foundations, like the very basic principles from a life coaching course. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I did it uh, eventually. So I started getting clients. I had like 10 clients my first few months. Which wow. Was insane. That is. Insane. I made business cards and put them out and people called me and I was like, yeah, it's $50 an hour. And they would just hire me. And I'm like, man. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so eventually I hired life coaches to train me and I worked with two high ticket life coaches and then I worked in, I mean, I've been in a ton of life coaching trainings since then. Um, and it kind of evolved from spiritual coaching to confidence coaching to authenticity coaching. And it, in when you're selling something, it's important to know, you know how to explain to your market what you're selling. And so... The niching down part has always been a struggle for me. I'm like, I want to help people be better. I want to help people feel better and love their lives. Um, so how do you sell that? <laughs> and uh, Recently, I have coined Conscious Lifestyle Coach because I think that that is all-encompassing of what I'm doing. It's like in every facet of my life, I want to be mindful. I want to be conscious. I want to be present. And I want to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me in any way that it can. He, they, whatever, can. Um, and I want to be present with gratitude and acceptance, mm -hmm. even when it sucks, because um, mm -hmm. things happen that suck no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so if I can uh, have equanimity in those moments, then my life is, you know, there might be pain, but there's no more suffering. And I think suffering is optional. And so that's mm -hmm. how I, this very short yeah. bubble of how I got here. Yeah. So give us some of the insights into what what brought you to conscious lifestyle coaching like what like if you had to say three key elements of your own healing and journey um, mm. that that now come out regularly in what you do with people what if you had to boil it down to three three element three philosophies or, or elements I'm not I'm not asking this question very well yeah you're asking it really difficult but I think I've got the essence of it okay okay um, I'd say mindfulness is definitely the yeah big, and tell the big us one. tell us what tell us your your definition or how, how do you describe mindfulness to somebody why is that important so that, let's say that's one thing yeah so why tell Tell, tell folks why you think that's You'll important. have to reel me back in for the, to answer the other yeah, two. Yeah, then okay. I will. Okay. I will. Okay. Um, so, yeah, mindfulness is um, being present in the moment and being comfortable enough to know what's happening within your own experience um, and, and understanding your own experience. Um, I think one of the key elements in life is relationships. And so if I don't know what I'm experiencing, if I don't have awareness of my patterns or my reactions or responses to things from my past, then I can't have a conversation with you because you say something, it hurts me, and I'm triggered, I'm gonna defend myself. 
And that means we're fighting. <laughs> we don't want that. So um, mindfulness to me is, is knowing what's going on in the present moment, being able to have the awareness of what's going on around you and what's going on within you. And also mindfulness, I believe, is knowing that our inner world is creating our, our outer world. Mm. And so by knowing what's going on within me, um, I can see how I'm attracting the things that I am attracting. So that's kind of okay. part of it. All right. Small part. It's always so interesting to define mindfulness. It because is. Because there's so many ways. I, I have to do a, a part of my two-year training with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield. Uh, I have to do a, in fact, I'm going to start in March. I have to do a six-week class introduction to mindfulness. Wow. So I'm, I'm starting to, to work on that. Okay, <laughs> so what is this thing that I'm trying to do, you know, and yeah. learning and so, okay, so mindfulness, what, what would be a, a couple of other things in terms of what, what's important to what you're doing now in terms of your coaching? Uh, mindfulness is a... Is authenticity. A, okay. It's, it's authenticity. Um, because, Dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because authenticity sometimes will be so inauthentic because what we're used to... The way we're used to being, if we're attached to that and we think that's our authentic self, then it's going to feel wildly inauthentic to become something else. Like me saying, hey, I'm a life coach was like, mm, you're a liar. <laughs> that's not true. And, you know, I kept saying it and here I am. But um, to become our authentic self, we have to let go of the things that are not our authentic selves that we have become so familiar with. Um, and I would say a comfort zone, but it really is a familiarity zone. It's not ever comfortable when you're stuck in that place. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people are struggling with that. So authenticity, you know, the mindfulness helps you to become aware of your internal experience and your own patterns and habits, belief systems. Um, and then once you have the mindfulness, you can become authentic and you can have this radical authenticity with other people, which I think is one of the most profound gifts that we can offer because um, you're no longer guessing, you know, is she okay? What is she thinking? How is she feeling? Is she telling me the truth? You know, you, you, so you're gonna have a lot more peace knowing, hey, I can trust Whitney, because I know that when things happen, she tells me how she's feeling, or she'll, she'll tell me, you know, the truth, mm. even if it's maybe not as, it, maybe not the night, or like the kindest or um, gentlest thing. I try to be gentle when I'm delivering the truth, but like, if I have my own truth, I want to be able to communicate that. And so um, people trust me and I trust myself a lot more because of that. And so I think that's kind of what authenticity is. It's mm. like knowing yourself and having the courage to be yourself. Yeah. And would you say that that honesty is a huge part of that? Radical honesty. Yeah, yeah. With yourself. It has to start with yeah. yourself because sometimes people are lying to themselves. They don't even know. Right. Yeah, I've, you know, in the in the AA world, you, it talks about rigorous honesty, and I, it, I, I yeah. call it brutal honesty. If people do like to because say it. Uh, the uh, because it felt, you know, like here I, you know, here I was this you know big mega church pastor, and then all of a sudden my whole life just falls completely apart, and it's very public, and it's humiliating yeah. in front of tens of thousands of people, and. I just wanted to die. I just wanted to get off. I, I really didn't want to live anymore, honestly, even though I didn't 
it wasn't actively suicidal, but it's probably passive suicide ideas, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Or you're just like, I don't care if I live or die, and I really don't want to be on this planet anymore, right? And so that, and then I get into the recovery world, and and just like, okay, I'm gonna just be brutally honest with the, with these folks, and yeah, it's so scary. At and first. like, it's coming out of my mouth. And I'm not even wanting to hear that about myself, but I just kept pressing but into what, it. But what happened when, when they received it? And Well, that was the thing is I was questioning God's existence, even, mm-hmm. even though I, you know, I came, I, I became a pastor when I was 16, you know, came out of the drug culture when I was 16. Not, I wasn't like a heavy dude. I was just like a recreational drug user, but didn't really care about spiritual things too much. Mm-hmm. And then... All of a sudden, I had this radical experience, became a follower of Jesus, felt called to be a pastor, and I lived that thing, preached, taught everything, and then all of a sudden, my whole world falls apart. And I was literally questioning even the existence of God. And what I would say is that the people who heard my brutal honesty and then kept loving me and caring for me helped me understand God's love. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like the people who knew Fred at his worst in my mind and then loved me anyway. Yeah. Helped me forgive myself. And actually like, like where you're at now because yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and you know the crazy thing is is some of those people never knew successful Fred. They only they only knew Fred the fuck up. Mm. <laughs> and and I say that very that yeah. that I, I literally, you know, that was me. And so, like, people who came into my life and loved me at my worst, it's like, wow, that's a gift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so that's how that impacted my world is that it allowed, I think it started helping me forgive myself. Yeah. And I can, and then also those dark pieces of me had to be integrated into the whole. Mm-hmm. And rather than trying to resist it and push it away, it's like, okay, what is this, Fred? Why do you, you know, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do, why, 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 you know, all this. So integrating the shadow, the shadow work stuff, you know what I'm yeah. talking about there. All mm-hmm. right, so ma- mindfulness, authenticity, is there, is there another, like, key like, and you've talked about core values. I'm kind of that's, digging into like core values for you, you know? Yeah, that's where I was going to go authenticity. Next. Yeah. What? So knowing yourself and um, defining your values, uh, it, it's, it's really about, and I love this because I'm a writer, it's about authoring your own story and realizing, you know, you are the you are the main character of your life and you're the one writing the story and you're the one making the decisions that are getting the outcomes that are happening. And so when you, when you realize that you can change your story and you start writing the story that you want to live in, um, which it, in my opinion, the way to do that is, you know, make peace with the story that you have. And oftentimes that happens by sharing it with others because, you know, man, we covet that. We, we, we hold it so tight and close to us. Like, you know, I have this shame. I have this self-hatred. I can't let anybody see it. And that shame, it thrives in secrecy. And so when we share it, it's like the bubble gets popped and it's like, well, if someone else can love me and I'm such a fuck up, mm-hmm. well, then maybe I can love someone else. Maybe I can love myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, so defining and aligning, uh, defining your values and aligning with them, mm-hmm. um, I think would be the third component. Mm. I want to say spirituality, but you know, really the mindfulness and the authenticity, that part connects you to spirit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that what I'm realizing in my work is that I can get a person to that place where they're being led by spirit without calling it spirituality. Mm. It, it doesn't have to be called spirituality. Right, right. Um, which was kind of a curveball because I'm like, you know, it is to me spirituality. It's my connection to God right. in every moment and being guided by um, that higher power. Uh, but some people don't resonate with it. Right. And I and I want everyone to feel like they have access to this, this special place mm-hmm. because they do. And so that was a pretty profound. That was the moment when I was like, okay, I'm not a spiritual coach. Like, I want to work with people on how to be happy, and they'll find their God. Mm. So that's what's important to me. Mm, mm. Good, good. So did you, in terms of your own personal healing and journey to where you can now share and help other people, were there there some other key components to the healing process for you personally? I can write a book. I will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the the outline, but... um, Robert Brummett was one of the key components. We did a lot of somatic therapy. Yeah, you might share who that is because um, mm. I haven't met him, but uh, I, would, I don't know that he's I've, open to taking on yeah clients. But he, you can just give the context of who that is. Uh-huh. Kind of thing. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he was a minister for forty years. Um, he started his own congregation, and he was on the board of Unity, uh, the original Unity, which is in Lee Summit, which is such a blessing to have, like to be close to and so awesome. But um, yeah, Dr. Robert Robert Brummett, he's written four books. He is a spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, He developed something, I can't remember what it's called. It's like some kind of healing modality. Okay. But the the somatic um, therapy, this is, really fascinating because you know the the psych what's the one that diagnoses you and gives you the medicine it's a psychiatrist mm-hmm. the psychiatrist that i have um communicated with I, i'm always asking them what holistic modalities do you know of if, mm-hmm. if you tell me you're in mental health i want to talk to you mm-hmm. <laughs> and none of them know about somatic healing which could be yoga or you know um, the kind of therapy that i'll mention now robert would guide me th- we would sit in silence for a moment and he would say okay now what's coming up for you and you know, it'd be this intense emotion. We'd locate it in the body, which comes with, you know, the awareness, the mindfulness, being in tune with your body and what your body, your very, very wise and intelligent body is communicating with you. Um, so like your anxiety, that's an indication of something that you need to listen to. <laughs> you know, right. it's telling you, hey, maybe don't drink all that coffee. Maybe don't go to that place or date that guy or whatever. Um, so yeah, locating those things in my body and then like going into them and, and experiencing that emotion with my eyes closed, it, I mean, it, it would be like a hard, like rock, like a hard black rock, just somewhere located in my body, wherever. And we'd sit with it and we'd breathe into it and it would literally dissolve. And by the end of the call, I felt like it was gone. Huh. There was no talk therapy. There was no, like, there, there was no mental. It was all like just a pure release. Hmm. Um, so the somatic practices have been the most catalytic for me um in addition to that i'd say meditation gratitude like writing out my gratitude what Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for and experiencing it in my body Mm -hmm. 
like imagining my life without the things that I have and then realizing like, whoa, I have a lot to be grateful for. Mm. Um, in the beginning, that was very challenging for me. So I started blindfolding myself for my morning routine. I said, what if I didn't have eyes? What if I didn't have my left arm? And I'd start doing those things to really like challenge myself and get help my retrain my brain. Um, journaling, yoga has been obviously one of the main things, mm. which I started because I had fractured both my hips in, in the military and my hips were just like, I was in pain all the time. Mm. And I had this belief that we, we, start getting old and the body starts falling apart like a car and you can't afford to fix it. And then you just kind of die. And if you know any yogis, that is not the case. If you like, if you take care of your body, you will be in good health until you die. And that was really profound for me. So I was like, okay, I want to be healthy. Um, so yeah, yoga, meditation, gratitude, journaling was a, a really powerful one that I had let go of because when I was a kid, my father would read my journals and I'd get in trouble. And so I was scared to write. Oh, wow. So I had to overcome that to, to get, and now I can't, I write everything. Mm. And um, mm. yeah, positive friendships. I had a, I had a woman look me in the eyes and say, good morning, Whitney. And I was like, oh my God, she can see me. <laughs> she can see through my soul right now. And um, her name was Maka. Do you know Maka? No, I don't. Maka Greenleaf Maple. She is an angel. Mm. And and her her loving motherly presence mm. in that moment just, it was like, oh my gosh. Mm. I am lovable and I am worthy mm. of love. Mm. And That's awesome. So yeah, ha having um, people in my life that cared about me and didn't have a, a secret agenda. Mm-hmm. Learning how to ad identify secret agendas, that was another part. Yeah. The book, um, The Body Keeps a Score. So good. And, you know, it's kind of like become like the foundational document, you know, book for uh, for the kind of body work that... the So the mind-body split, mm -hmm. right? You know, where we... Uh, that's that's a big part of meditation, right? Yeah, is is learning to connect mind spirit with the body, mm -hmm. whereas we we tend to disassociate from our body. We, we think our body is our mind, right? And then so what? And then you were talking about these dark things in your body that mm. would dissolve. Insane. What what were those things dissolve? What what was that? And talk about a little bit of that. Why is it important? Because like in meditation, you you learn to anchor with your body, right? Either your breath or, you know, some part of your body is what anchors you in that meditation process, right? Yeah, the, I think so many people are disconnected from their body, right? Mm -hmm. And the wisdom of their body. And they don't know how to literally check in and like you you were describing these black things that yeah. felt like like a dark black thing that dissolved mm -hmm. as you did this body mind spirit work kind yeah. of stuff it help us understand for people who don't even yeah. why is it important how does it how does that help us heal when we connect with our body yeah so the way that society is now it's so fast-paced in the west we have technology 
we have porn, we have social media, we have like unlimited alcohol. It's just music, everything, anything that you can keep yourself busy and distracted, um, it's available. Food, you know, all these different things, drugs, whatever. And so people, people aren't used to processing their emotions or feeling into their body. And so it's such a level of discomfort when they do feel into that, that they, they turn to their phone or they turn to, you know, these other things. Um, so I think people are disconnected to their, from their body because there's something that's trying to come up like, hey, maybe your whole entire life's out of alignment and you need to get to work. And that's terrifying because you might have to leave your partner or you might have to quit your job or, you know, something really scary. Um, and people, I, I think, are checking out because they're not ready for that. Um, so for me, I was never taught as a child how to process my emotions. It was like, sit down, shut up, speak when I tell you to, you know, don't speak unless spoken to. It was very like, you're a pawn in our system. You're nothing, you know, go outside. And so it was just me, little old me taking care of me. And so, you know, I had all these, what I think it was, and like I said, it was a very, it was a very, Mm, it was it was physical but it was not a mental experience like you would think well your brain's thinking about these things like I'd connect to it and it was all a full body experience not like a oh well it was this and this and this it was like no it was a it was a dark fucking blob and it melted inside of me <laughs> but I'll go more into it from what I can um, I think that they were traumatic experiences that were locked into my body. And a common misconception is that trauma is in the mind. And it's not true. Like you said, you know, the, the body keeps score. Uh, it, it highlights how our body, our entire body holds the trauma. And I love this concept of animals, you know, when, when two dogs fight, immediately they'll shake it off and they keep going and that's it. But humans, we don't shake it off. We don't give ourselves that opportunity to decompress or take care of ourselves because why we got to get back to work we're in scarcity mode we got to take care of the bills we you know don't want to access that certain part of our body we don't want to hear the wisdom that's coming up um so so you know I, I i would be in a meditative state and it was a very intuitive experience getting in tune with my body and i, I you know robert is an amazing teacher i'm such a gift to be able to. I've heard to, good, great things about him from other friends of mine. Yeah. So he does yeah. have a lot of talks on the um, TBC Facebook where they record the Sunday services. And if you scroll down, you can find some okay. of his Dharma talks. Okay. Just a wonderful human. Okay. Cool. I just spent six, year, uh, six years, six days in silence with him to ring in the, or four days in silence, ringing in the new year with him in a, in mm. a retreat. Mm. Um, and stuff still comes up. I still get so triggered and there's still stuff in there and it's been, you know, six and a half years, seven years sure. of meditating and feeling these things in my body. But mm -hmm. I can communicate when I'm upset now mm. instead of screaming or hitting someone because I want to shut down. And that to me is just like, mm. it gives me the ability to have relationships and mm. to have a life that I can enjoy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think a lot of people will just shut down. Or, or react or defend yeah. and there's no real growth happening it's it's that re, what you resist persists idea and yeah. um yeah it, it's 
this it's a, it sounds so counterintuitive, but you have to go through the trauma to heal the trauma. You do. Right? Yeah. So and you so, have to sit and feel so you it. You have to feel it. To heal it. And it's so scary. Yeah. Because it's it feels like it could engulf you and destroy you. You know what I mean? Like it does. Yeah, right? It, it, in that moment, when you breathe through it, you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I am invincible. And then you do it again, and you're like, I'm invincible. <laughs> and it, you know, it keeps coming up. But yeah, each time you you reclaim a little bit of your power. And it's, it's, it's hard work, uh, hard in the sense that you, you got to be willing to press into it. It's and, terrifying. And, and hear the darkness. Learn. Yeah. I, there was a book that I read early on, and it's called Let Your Life Speak mm. by Parker Palmer, who's a spiritual guide, uh, came from a Quaker background. But it's, it's the first book I read where it, he, he, he went into like a deep, deep, long, dark depression. Like, I think it was maybe a year or two like where he just couldn't hardly function. And so he had to, he talks a lot about the shadow work, pressing into the darkness, hearing hearing what your body and your traumas needs needs to say. Or your inner child. Yeah, and yeah. but then to, to heal and integrate all of those parts of ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the integration. It's a lot part. of work, you know, and I've, you know, I've worked in recovery and with therapists and, and with the meditation stuff as well. But I think that's why most people don't want to do the work is it's scary. Uh, you, you think it's going to overpower you or take you. It will you kill know. your ego. It, it does that, right? And it feels like death. Yeah. Yeah. That goes back to that people die a thousand deaths yeah. to get to who they are. Oh, yeah. Oof. You got to let go. Yeah. And people are like, but then what? Then what? Then I'm floating in space. Mm -hmm. Then I'll explode. I'll mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. how it feels. Mm -hmm. And then you let go and you're like, whoa, I'm free and I'm light. I'm not held down anymore mm. by these things that these beliefs that anchored me into this reality that was not ever real. Mm. These projections or, um, you know, experiences, these things that other people said that keep you stuck. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so talk about, give us, we, we only got a few minutes left, so give us some, some what, what's the hope that can happen as we press into this kind of work, and then tell people how they can connect to you uh, yeah. as well, in terms of your work. Yeah, um, what's on the other side is, I, I refer to it as soul confidence because it's not the confidence that most people talk about, which is I've got a Lamborghini and a $16,000 watch and I can get in any club I want. It's like you can walk into any situation. You can talk to any homeless person with no fear. You can go to the top of the highest building with the wealthiest people and you have no fear. You can communicate what it is that you need to communicate without, with you know, trust and, um, and confidence in, in that you will be guided in that moment. Um, that's been the most profound thing for me. I'm not scared of anything anymore. I, I have no restrictions. Like I, if something comes up, I'm going to do it. Like, uh, and I think that's just, it, it is freedom. Huh. It's freedom from the, the limitations that other people put on you. Um, it's the ability to decide what it is that you want for your life 
and just take life by the horns and go for it. Mm. You know, um, it's the ability to hear the calling and say, okay, I'm going to answer it because I know it's going to be the best thing for me. Um, profound, mm. you know, letting go of what your own desires are, which sounds awful, right? <laughs> it's like, no, I want what I want. Mm. But it's like, actually, sometimes you don't. Mm. Um, that's my, that's my experience mm -hmm. anyways, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another, another one is like unlocking your body. Um, I dance now and that's a, a form of my mindful movement and my somatic practice is like, I connect with my body by moving it. Um, and it's beautiful and it's elegant and it feels good and it connects me to like intimacy within myself. And so I'm no longer seeking validation from other people. That was a huge one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to validate and take care of yourself and not outsourcing your needs. Mm. Um, and that's not to mm. say that we don't need other people. That's a big one. Yeah. But it's like knowing who and how to need, you know, <laughs> and not just giving. Yeah. 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 Good. So. Tell, tell folks your, how, do, how do people connect with you? Yeah, your work. absolutely. Conscious Lifestyle Coach. Conscious Lifestyle Coaching, yeah. Um, they can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram way too much. <laughs> so Whitney Sauce uh, is my handle on everything. You can find me at WhitneySauce.com. Um, yeah. S, Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, and then S-A-U-S-E. Yeah. Whitney Sauce. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, Instagram, um, Facebook. And you're fine. you're you're posting regularly, and yeah. and they can and they can reach out to you through those, yeah. like, you know, friend you and then yeah. send you a DM, something like that. Um, I love emailing. It's like my favorite thing in the whole entire world. I love waking up and check my emails um, <laughs> after I get my morning routine in. But um, yeah, they can also email me at Whitney at WhitneySauce.com. Whitney at WhitneySauce.com. All right. Yeah. Good deal. Well, Whitney, thank you for joining us at Spirituality Adventures. It's been a delight to, to talk and share. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this episode. And uh, take care. We'll see you next time. Hey, you made it to the end. Thanks for listening all the way through on this episode. By the way, if you're not already a supporter, go to spiritualityadventures.com. Sign up for one of our monthly supports, and you will receive our bonus content. You'll receive lots of interesting information about our guests. Many of our musicians will do special bonus songs and record a song. So I want to encourage you to do that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Be sure and subscribe. Be sure and share any of the episodes that you like. And be sure and make comments if you like them as well. This helps us uh, get spirituality adventures out there to more listeners, more, more watchers. So whatever platform you're using, subscribe, like, share, make comments, and go to our website, sign up for our team and be a part of the team support. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.